0: Welcome to Rush Tactics episode 4, the one that every square root fanatic has been waiting for. I'm your host Josh Augustine and I am joined today as always by well, I'm going to let him introduce himself with a funny joke. Greg, hit it. Uh,
1: uh all right. Um what do vegetarian zombies eat?
0: Um I I don't I don't know. Grain. <laughs> uh okay. <laughs> How that? I'm going to let that pass. Um, I mean, we're not going to win any followers or any new listeners, but I'm hoping we don't lose them either. That's probably just a net neutral. It's a thinking man's joke. you got to let it sit for a while. Yeah, I don't think you have to let it sit for very long. I think that uh, kind of hits and bounces out real quick. <laughs> All right, so each week we try out a new tactic, strategy, or build order, not just jokes, in Age of Empires Online, and we share it with you. This week, we're building a palace, and not just any palace. We're building an Egyptian palace in Egypt, and by raw, Greg, we're going to force the Egyptians to build it for us. It sounds about right. All right, so you're, you're good with the strategy? Building an Egyptian palace in Egypt? I'm all for it. Yeah, without any effort, too. Make sure they do all the legwork. I, I love that. All right. All right, so all this week, Greg and I took the strategy for test drives to kind of make sure it works and to add improvements where we could. The live stream video of us putting the tactic into action, along with our commentary, is up on our shiny new website. Uh, Just go to gamediplomat.com and click on on the Rush Tactics link.
1: It is super shiny. I I had to wear my sunglasses while I was looking at it earlier today.
0: (sighs) Maybe you should stick with the zombie jokes, Greg. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) All right. So... Unlike last week, um, this week we're going to try something a little different. We're not going to go into every step-by-step of the tactic. You can find all that on the website. We're going to kind of talk big picture and kind of talk about kind of what we thought and kind of uh, big picture improvements you can do to kind of help out. Do you agree, Greg? Do Do you solemnly swear to shy away from specifics?
1: I solemnly swear that I am not going to talk specifics.
0: All right, that's Even close. though people
1: loved it last week.
0: They did. I well I think they just <laughs> your voice Greg. So
1: it's, uh, it has the dulcet tones of putting someone to sleep. So be wary if you're out there driving along right now and you're you're listening to this. Make sure you had your coffee before.
0: Oh so Greg, just so I'm clear, are you telling people that listening to this podcast will kill them?
1: No, I'm I'm saying it will put them to sleep. So don't, you know, do any heavy lifting. Don't, like, hold an anvil over your head while listening to this podcast.
0: Okay. That's kind of – that's a good life lesson because telling them it would kill them is not good marketing. We definitely don't want to do that. But you shouldn't <laughs> be lifting heavy anvils over your head probably for any reason unless you have – unless you're, like, one of those, you know, kind of com- comedically Eastern European big muscles with huge mustache kind of in a single-piece bathing suit in front of Popeye.
1: Then you or Wile Coyote.
0: Oh, yeah. That would be good too. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Greg, let's get back to this quest. Fine. Uh, so the quest we're tackling today is called Palace Race Egypt. It's one of the daily repeatable Alliance Wars quests that were added in the big summer update a few months back. Um, the awesome thing about this quest is that it totally changes if you add a co-op partner. Um, we're going to be talking about the co-op version of it, but the basic idea should carry over to the solo version as well. You'll just have to be doing both roles, basically. And so the goal is the enemy is building a palace. You need to build a palace faster. Here's the premise of the tactic, how we're going to do it, Greg. Um, you start with just a tiny base, a few buildings, and the foundation of your palace. Um, one player controls two priests and a scout. It's his job. That's going to be me in this. It's going to be my job to convert enemy villagers to collect resources, build defensive towers, and then grind away on building that wonder. Uh, and then, Greg, what's your job?
1: Uh, my job is basically to keep a standing army uh, as long as possible, because I have a unit that creates it by standing next to our military production buildings. It uh, He creates units. So my job is to kind of just scour the map, give priests backup where they need, um, and kind of do some damage
0: control. Awesome. So... So the goal is to convert as many villagers as possible, complete the construction of your palace before the enemy builds theirs, and claim your prize. So the setup. You need two level 40 players. Like we said, you can do it solo, but we're talking about the co-op version today. This is the tricky part. The players need to be in the same alliance, which you can't always tell just by looking at them. Um, but the good news is you can switch your alliance. Greg, how do you do that? Because I know you did that a bunch of times while testing this. <laughs> yeah, you go up to your little alliance
1: tab, which is at the top of the screen, and then at the bottom it says view alliances, and you can. it shows you the three alliances. You just click leave your alliance, and it will ask you, are you sure you want to leave your alliance? And you're like, heck, yeah, let's get out of here. So, bam, you're out of your alliance, and then you can just jump into any of the other two alliances. So there's three alliances total But it lets you do it because we were checking it out for for facts today, what happens on different alliances and things like that. And I think I jumped in and out of every alliance at least four or five times in the span of an hour. So there's no real cap to it, Um, and you can just hop in and out of alliances. But that's not very loyal of you.
0: No, it's not. And I think the big thing is I think when you switch alliances, like if you've earned alliance points for that day, I think you lose them. Right. Um, so that's something to consider before you guys go changing alliances. See if you're invested in a big, like, or if you're invested in the 24-day war or something. It's about to end. You might want to hold off because I'm just not sure if that's going to cancel that or not. Um, the likelihood is it will. Yeah, it probably will because you're a dirty turncoat and you deserve yep. it. Exactly. All dirty right. Yeah. <laughs> So player one, I'm the guy controlling the priest. This is going to be the host of the party. Whoever invited the other player, they're going to automatically be put into the player one role. Um, the general idea: you start with two priests, send them to the east. There's going to be camps there for gold and stone. You want to basically expand upwards, north and east, kind of taking villagers. If there's gold, build a mine and or build a storehouse and mine that gold and then use that gold back in town to train more priests and then send those priests out to other parts of the map. And so by the end of the map, you should have priests kind of all over the entire map converting villagers and converting uh, enemy soldiers. And you should have all of those villagers, after they collect the resources directly near them, sent back to build the wonder. Um, And the key for player one is you can see the enemy wonder. You can see how long or how far they are in building it. You can see how many villagers they have on it. There's just a tiny line of sight on it. So you want to constantly compare to make sure you're not falling too far behind. Um, During our mission, Greg, I noticed about halfway through I was kind of way behind. They were really far ahead. And so, Greg, your suggestion was great. You told me, you know, take those guys off wood. Take those guys off gold. Send them back. We just need to build the wonder. And so that's what I did, and we ended up pulling out kind of a strong victory in the end.
1: Yeah, it really turned around. Um, so you get, you know, the resources you need and then just focus on getting that uh, that wonder up.
0: Yep. Oh, and the other thing Player One has to do um, is you have to build towers. Uh, because you convert the villagers, they build towers with just stone. It's just a flat 80 stone cost. And you want to build them around the wonder, especially on the north side, because the enemy is jerks, and they're going to send priests to try and convert your villagers and they'll be able to kind of pick it off from the hill on the north side if you don't have towers. Um, so you want to make sure you have towers up on the north side. Yeah. So, Greg, what did you do? Uh,
1: my job was basically, you know, damage control, have that standing army going. So right away, you've got this hero unit, uh, Imotep. He needs to stand next to a building to create units. You don't need to worry about resources and all that. So I immediately went and put him on uh, the stables... Cause it creates uh, he can create up to three you know really strong horsemen so you get those three horsemen out right away and send them up to you know start helping the priests uh, you know patrol around take the uh, take out some stragglers and things like that make sure that they don't go attacking villagers because villagers are your best friend in this campaign uh, this little quest so yeah.
0: for every for every villager Greg kills I kill him
1: mm-hmm yeah, and I only have one life, so that's how important it is. Uh, so, yeah, I keep my horsemen, you know, three horsemen, strongly around the priests in the beginning. Then I got uh, Imhotep, you know, pumping out six infantry and six archers. Um, and then I – they take a really long time to run anywhere on the map. So I usually keep them down near the, uh, the wonder being built because we're going to get some, uh, some heat from the east, uh, or actually from the west, uh, down, down low on the west, where well, they'll be sending in people down that way as well. So I usually keep them on the, uh, west end of town, have them kind of protecting that area. And then anytime a single horse goes down, I get, uh, Imhotep over there to get out another horse. Um, I don't know the exact, uh, train time for those, but it's pretty quick. So if all three of your strongest units, which are the three horses, go down super fast, you can get them rebuilt and get them out there going in, like, I don't know, pro- less than 30 seconds. So that's basically the job of the uh, the infantry, military side of it.
0: So, Greg, I, just, I have a question for you. Yeah. So I, I always wondered, because I've played this solo, so I've kind of played your role a couple times, too, and I was never quite sure, do you feel like... Do you feel any reserve when throwing units into battle? Or because you can train them for free, should you just send them out to die constantly?
1: Yes and no. You should absolutely manage your horsemen very well. But if you see that there's, you know, an army pushing in on the left, you can just grab all your archers and spearmen or uh, swordsmen and just throw them in that direction. I kind of use the archers and uh, and soldiers as you know, cannon fodder just to stop them because you can get another standing army pretty quickly, Um, but it's the horsemen that that you can really send in all different directions and get them all over the map really quickly. They take out priests really well, um, but you don't want a priest to convert one of your horses because then they've got a really strong horse as well. So converge on those priests ASAP and they just mow them down pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that seemed to be kind of my biggest weakness on this map. I don't know if it's the same for you, but I didn't always notice where enemy priests were because if there's a large pack of them, they convert them your units real fast, so you don't see them on the mini-map for very long. Um, right. And so at one point, I had sent an army of six priests out the west side, and then they were all gone. I didn't know what happened, and so I sent, like, another pack to go out there, and there was an army of his priests and my priests who had been converted just staying there taking everything I sent that way. Um traitors. And they, I know. So that's definitely one thing to watch out for. I think Greg is absolutely right. Make sure those horse guys take out the priests because they are your most deadly foe. Absolutely. All right, so here's your target timeline for the map. By the three-minute mark, you want to start training your next pack of priests. This is player one. Make sure that you have gold and are already training your next pack of priests by then. By the five-minute mark, you need to have at least two packs of priests roaming the map on the east and west side. How many priests in a pack? Um, The perfect amount is probably four. You can get away with as low as two. You never want to send one. Um, because one will die before he can convert um, a horse, an enemy horse.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: if you have two, at least one of them should survive and get the horse, and you can usually throw a villager kind of in the way to eat up time. But four <laughs> is the perfect amount because you can convert basically any army that comes at you with four.
1: Nice. Okay.
0: Um, and so you, by ten minutes, you want to try and convert at least 50 villagers. That's 50 is basically a necessity. You can get away with less, but you're going to be cutting it close. 100 is the secondary objective by the 10 minute mark, which the first time you play this map, you're going to think that that secondary objective is impossible. And I'm Mm -hmm. not convinced that it isn't because I still haven't gotten it. I've gotten close. I've gotten like 86, um, but I've never hit 100 yet. Um, It's just incredibly hard. The key to that it's train priests quick. Put all your villagers on gold just to make priests, and constantly send them out. I can't even figure it out. And then, of course, by 19 minutes is when the enemy palace will be built. So you need to have your enemy palace, or sorry, you need to have your palace built before the 19 minute mark. Preferably with buffer room um, to make sure that you at least succeed. Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, it's 19 minutes and some change, maybe a couple seconds here, a couple seconds there. And every every villager that you convert uh, convert further north is taking away from their building time as well, because they have priests out there that are converting um, villagers and sending it back to their own you know hometown. So if you don't convert villagers, they're going to they're going to build that thing at about 19 minutes.
0: Oh, nice! That's a really good point. So it actually makes sense. As player one, I should have—I don't think I realized that. I should have been making sure that I hit the villagers furthest north because those are the ones that would be converted first. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now I learned, Greg. Now (laughs) I—you should have thought of that. I know what a fool I was. (laughs) All right, so some basic uh, tips. You know, gold is your top priority early on. Make sure your villagers have safe routes to run to the wonder after they're converted. Uh, Enemy troops will convert or kill all your traveling villagers if you're not paying attention. This is kind of more a job for player two, although me as player one, I should be aware of where Greg's units are, so I'm not sending them willy-nilly and Greg has to go chase them down. Yeah, I don't like chasing things No, no chasing. It's distracting. It really is. All right, so... The, the other thing about this map is that the opponents you face change depending on which alliance you're in. It's actually kind of weird. Um, and actually, Council of Emotep, if you're in Council of Emotep like Greg and I, congrats. Um, <laughs> it's clearly the best alliance, and this map agrees. Because all of the units you convert as Council of Emotep will be Greek units that you can put gear on. It'll be the, I can never say this, it's the Horse Guys, Saris, Sephora, K- Kappa Capanovas. God bless you. Yes. All right. It's the (laughs) cavalry with the shield and the sword or the spear. Hoplites and Toxotes, which are the archer. Um, You can put gear on all of those guys. So when you convert them as player one, your gear will be on there. Um, Carthage and Delian, the two other alliances, unfortunately, um, they convert a lot of generic warriors and archers um, that are Egyptian. But obviously Egyptians don't have any units called warriors or archers. Um, so your gear doesn't apply. They do also have Camel Raiders, though, which the gear does apply for. So you can gear out those. All right, Greg, what do you think? Did you
1: have fun? You know, I, I thought it was a, a nice little change of pace, too, because I think that there, there may be others I could be totally mistaken, but that was one of the first ones I had ever done where you're sharing a team with somebody else. And I I really enjoyed that where, you know, I could control one aspect of the team and then you had another aspect of the team. We didn't have separate civilizations. We both were, you know, co-oping that one civilization, which, you know, made it feel like a real cooperation needed to happen there.
0: Yeah, it was was a lot of fun. We had to do a lot more communicating than we normally do um, Mm -hmm. because normally it's just like – all right, are you building infantry and siege? Okay, I'll build cavalry and archers. For right. this, you know, I, I really do think it does build some of the best teamwork moments uh, in the game that I've had so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I enjoyed not having to worry about your side of it, and I'm sure you you know, <laughs> had the pleasure of not worrying about the, the, the standing army as well.
0: Yeah, the micromanage to keep moving Emotep around, man. I don't know if I could keep up with that, so I'm glad you were handling that. <laughs> it's a good time. All right, so two other reasons I think people should do it. Decent alliance wards. Uh, You get 15 alliance points, which is really good. You get 500 coin, three level 40 chests. And that secondary objective, Greg, is so challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to take you at least several tries to accomplish it. And I think that's a reason to do it. It's a real challenge in the game. In in a game like Age of Empires, where you don't lose missions a whole lot, a lot of times you can succeed if you're a good player and have gear. Um, I like being given objectives that I can't do right away and I have to work towards. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, it changes the way you play uh, as well. You're, you don't you know kind of just sit there. And it's a worthy objective too. It's a thousand coin and two more level 40 chests, which you know is not something that you can just shake away
0: oh yeah that's huge that, that it like triples the coins and almost doubles the chess reward i mean that's you can't ignore that greg and
1: there's also that thirdly objective that i'm throwing in there right now is he with the most goats wins
0: oh i know i i had the goat at the end though i just want to say your horsemen weren't scaring my villager away it's because you finally killed the goat <laughs> yeah i did yeah i did <laughs>
1: We did sacrifice the goat in honor of our victory.
0: Yeah, it was a a worthy sacrifice. The gods were pleased. Um, They were. If you want to watch it, like we said, you can go to gamediplomat.com. We have the video there where we sacrifice goats and argue about sleeping in the desert on bedrolls. So, this week, find a friend or make a new one in your Alliance chat channel and head to Egypt for some extreme palace makeovering. Thanks for downloading and listening to another episode of Rush Tactics. Let us know what you think by emailing us at rushtactics at outlook.com. Visit our website, gamediplomat.com, for full show notes, step-by-step walkthroughs of the strategies, and videos of us putting them into practice. You can always talk to us on Twitter. I am at Jay Augustine. And I am at Greg Henniger. And even more than that, we would love to team up with you in games, so add us to your friends list. I am the game diplomat, all one word. And I am dev117.
1: It has nothing to do with being a developer. Dev is a character in a Star Wars novel that I thought was pretty sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there you go. What's the 117? Uh, that's the Master Chief's call sign. Oh, nice. Well done. Thank you. All right. So as always, please let us know what you thought of the show and what you'd like to see in the future. Thanks, and see you next week. Bye.
1: Here I am, rock me like a Gregory Kane.